chapter number 7, page 1081, if you have a Schofield King James Bible. Luke chapter number 7. Let me get on. I don't think I'm on here. All right. Nope, I know I'm not on. But I'm on now, okay? Luke chapter number 7. If you'll stand with me, if you find your place. Amen? And when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that, that he was worthy for whom he should do this. My, what a testimony. T.D. Jake said this, Oil runs down. When people try to splash oil on you, tell you how wonderful you are, look out. Oil runs down, not up. Others were saying, man, this, this man is worthy that you should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldst enter into my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I, am, I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto them, Go, and he goeth into another. Come, and he cometh. And to my servants do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled, that's a wow, Tonight I'm going to preach on when Jesus said, Wow again. That's a wow. Then when Jesus had heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. They that were sent returning to the house and found the servant whole that had been sick. My. And he marveled and he marveled. He said, I've, I've not found so great a faith. No, not in Israel. Brother Joey, list to the throne of grace.
Oh, yes. Amen. Missions, $1,505. Praise the Lord. Amen. Ain't that good? All right. This morning, we looked at this thought from Mark 6, where the Bible says, And the Lord marveled at their unbelief. Lord said, wow, I just can't believe they're not believing. Here in this passage tonight, the second time, the only second time, only twice the Lord marveled at anything. Here we find it's not for unbelief of the Jews, people he knew, people that knew him, or thought they knew him, but here he marveled at faith. Now, if you sleep through everything I'm going to preach, if you miss everything I'm going to preach tonight, if you don't miss this statement, you'll not miss it. You'll, you'll get the message. You can go home with the message just in this statement. I'm not going, I'm not going to stop preaching, though. I'm going to preach a whole message. But if you miss everything and don't miss it, the only antidote, the only cure, the only remedy for unbelief is faith. It's faith. Not works. Not what you think. Not your opinion. Not, it, it, is, it is literally faith. And faith is a choice. To believe, to believe, suspends unbelief. Let me put it to you this way. Unbelief and faith cannot reside in the same heart. You either believe or you don't believe. There's really no wiggle room. There's no in-between. There's no, there's no a little belief and a little unbelief. I know the man in the Bible says, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. What he didn't recognize was his belief was the cure for his unbelief. And belief is our cure for our unbelief. Faith is not a feeling. It's a conscious choice that we make. I, I hear TNT, I went by and Matthew was talking to them young people about a choice. I, I like that, Amen. Because faith is a choice. If we do not choose, we will never believe. And so faith begins with a conscious choice to suspend disbelief. And in doing so, we open the door to everything God would be willing to do in our lives. It sounds simple, and truth is, it is. Really, it is. And yet, so many stumble over this very fact. When we, by choice, exercise faith, we believe God. And no doubt, some's praying about missions because uh, that, that's about as good as we've ever had, ain't it? That's a good week. Good month, rather. 
But when we believe God and put that in actions, then it opens the door for, for those things that God wants to do. And so we find here this man in the text, literally his faith made God marvel. Now, tonight, every one of us, every one of us, God either looks at us and says, Wow! Saved you. Or so you say you're saved. That's between you and God. I can't, I can't say that. I don't, I don't know your heart. But you, I, you say, I saved you. And everyone, you stand before God and God says, Wow! Come believe. Wow! And then, or else, you stand in front of God and everything He puts on your heart, the very best you know how you try to obey. And God says, Wow! What faith! You're the one of those two places. I don't know about you. I can only speak for me. I want to be on this side of faith. As a matter of fact, I've proven that side over and over and over and over again. It's absolutely amazing. You, I, I want you. We got a great God. We we got a great God. Uh, boy, I, if I had liberty, I'd just love to share with you a story that's on my heart. Maybe someday God let me share it, but not right now. So, God, I just trust me when I say. You'll never outdo God. You'll never, you, you will never outdo God. And all this faith world is a wonderful world to live in. So we find that this man here, his belief suspended disbelief. And that's where it's got to start here tonight. Let me say, share with you a few things about this individual. First of all, he was an unusual man. I mean, you, you're talking about uh, in this day, in this hour, he, he was unusual. He was a man who suspended disbelief so he could believe in that. He got his miracle. He got his miracle. There's three stars in this story. There's Jesus, the centurion, and the servant. Now, we don't know anything about much about the servant. I would have an ideal that he was probably uh, a young man. Uh, Luke says that he was sick to the point of death. Matthew 8 shares that he was paralyzed and he went pain. But what was so amazing was Jesus never sees him. He never meets him. He, this centurion never mentions him by name, so we know very, very little. Isn't it going to be wonderful? Get to heaven. Bump into somebody and they say, who are you? You remember that story? That slave, that centurion slave, that was me. That was me. So I, I believe that, now I can just imagine he's laying motionless, he's, He's breathing hard. He's sweating. And, and no doubt you can uh, hear uh, uh, the cry of a moan. No, one thing for sure and certain. 
He was at the point of dying. He was very sick. So we know that much about him. We know more about the centurion. The centurion was the captain of a hundred soldiers. Don't miss this. He lived in Capernaum. And he was a Gentile. All the centurions were Gentiles. The Bible uses the word centurion 21 times in the New Testament. And I, it's amazing. Always in a positive light. The most famous one, Mark fifteen thirty nine, Jesus died. I was hanging on the cross, fixing to die. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. This old Gentile centurion knew more than those in his hometown. They called him the Son of Mary. This man here, this another centurion said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. And by the way, he is the Son of God. Amen? It was rare indeed. What was so rare was slaves in the Roman Empire had no rights. And it sounds cruel, but it's the way it was. If a slave got sick, they, they, they couldn't work. They just throw them out in the field. They would die. They were considered worthless and they would throw them away. But all oh, this man, this man... One ancient writer said, when your animals are old, you throw them out to die. You do the same with your slaves. That's what slaves were considered. So the first unusual thing about this centurion is this, that he cared so much for his slave. Wow. No wonder this man said, wow, he cared so much for this slave that he had in his home. Second unusual thing about him is unusual response. When he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews. He didn't go himself. That's unusual. Beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. It's unusual. He asked the Jews to go. And then what was really unusual, the Jews went. I think you have to understand In the Roman Empire, the Jews and the Romans had to live together, but they hated each other. The Roman government wanted power, and they just wanted the Jews not to bother them. The Jews hated the Roman government and the rules. And may I say, there was no love lost. Between the centurions and the Jews, uh, they would no love lost between the, the Jews and all the Roman army for that fact, or the Roman government. One of the things that, that God said that many believe that uh, as the church began to grow and as the church began to move, many of the disciples expected Jesus to set up a kingdom and to rule over them at that moment and to destroy the Roman Empire. They didn't realize He was coming to rule over men's hearts and to save them. They didn't expect Him to come and die and then rose again. And one day He will set up His kingdom. 
So was the unusual response. Romans had no use for the Jewish. They called them superstitions. But this man was different. The Bible says that when he came to Jesus, they besought him that he went instantly, besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy of for whom he should do this. They said, He loves our nation. The centurion now. And so he proved it by building the synagogue. Wow. He built them a house of God. And my, what unusual. Man, he, he's a strange, he's a strange duck. He's not like anyone else. And uh, they said, and this, he's kind-hearted, wealthy, generous, And just being good to us. I wonder, this is Jews. This is Jews telling Jesus about this man. All of us have a reputation. All of us. Some of it good, some of it bad. I wonder, when your name is mentioned, what's the first thing people think about? Boys, I can hear a Brother Schreiber. Some of you didn't know Brother Schreiber. He was a large man, big man. And I, a very large man. He sat right behind where Jeff is sitting. And I start preaching like he said, I got a madman preacher. I love it. He's in heaven. Yeah, Gil, I'm going to meddle, meddle, meddle. You're in heaven, can't do a thing about it. <laughs> and he, I wonder, if your name's mentioned, what kind of response? This name was mentioned, this man's name was mentioned to Jesus. This, this Capernaum, this centurion from Capernaum. And here's what they said. Boy, Jesus, boy, Jesus, he's, he's a good man. He loves our nation. He's been kind to us. Boy, it's sad. I've known some people. I mean, you mentioned their name. They said, yeah. Well, they're awful cantankerous. Yeah, they ain't very friendly. Yeah, they, 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 they don't have a good spirit about it. You, you ever met people and you, or you meet people and say, man, I, boy, some people's name you mentioned. Boy, a whole bunch of them going through my mind right now. And the first thing when their name is mentioned, I said, yeah, tight fisted. Tight. But then I know some, their name's mentioned. And I, Mr. Lewis, take your headphones off for a little bit. I, I'm going to talk about you. Okay? Take them off for just a little while. She can't hear. Okay, good. I don't care. Where that lady's name is mentioned, the first thing people say, boy, she's a good woman. Boy, she's a good woman. I mean, boy, she's a good woman. I don't care who it is, when it is, or where it's at. She said, boy, she's a good, she's a good woman. Somebody mentioned me the other day, said, you know Dolores Clark? I said, yeah, boy, she's a good woman. Isn't that a testimony? You put your headphones back on. 
Okay? Look at him. It was all good, Dolores. All good. You need to realize that you got a reputation. That's a picture of the centurion. They said, he's a good man. Boy, he loves our, loves our, uh, us. He loves our nation. He, he built us a synagogue. Uh, I mean, he's just a good, good, good man. He was an unusual man, an unusual response, an unusual journey. I mean, the Jews begged Jesus to go because the time was short. And Jesus went with them to the house of his Gentile to heal a servant of a Roman soldier. I, I love this. He didn't have to go. Uh, he didn't owe it to the man. Worthiness uh, had nothing to do with it. But he went. And then something else unusual about it. An unusual statement. He never made it to the centurion's house. A few feet, a few hundred feet away, the friends came and met Jesus. And they said, then Jesus went with them and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion said, friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, now here's the centurion sending friends. Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. They said, Lord, he's worthy. But he said, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm not worthy of you stepping into my house. Lord, I'm just not worthy. Are you, getting, are you getting a picture of greatness? When God says, wow, I believe with all my heart. Boy, the Lord loves your humble spirit. He said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And he said this, Thou shouldst enter into my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. I love this man. Here's what he said. He said, Lord, I'm not worthy of you coming to my house. Lord, I'm not even worthy to come to you. I'm not even worthy. Let me help you. A lot of folks got this idea oh, Jesus owes them something. I, I tell you what, preacher, I tithe and I put money in the missions and, and I do this and 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 now Jesus owes me. May I remind you, Jesus doesn't owe us anything. I, I, I preached this and now I've lived in. God can squeeze one little vessel and you'll have to be helped to the car. Just one little, just one tiny vessel. It's all it takes. My, we need him. This man came and he said, neither, but say in a word and my servant shall be healed. Notice his argument. He argues from a point, position of authority. For I am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go, he goeth. To another, come, he cometh. To my servant, do this, and he doeth it. 
the centurion argued from a position of authority. Now, get the picture. What he's saying is, Lord, I understand authority. A lot of folks don't understand authority. Amen? He understood authority. He said, when I give a command, I expect it to be done. I don't have to be personally present to get it done. He said, I have unlimited power. Just say the word, and men are my command. But it's amazing faith, and it's astounding that he should have figured it out. Because you're in a position of authority doesn't mean you're lord over people or a tyrant. This man was in a position of authority. He argued from a personal experience. He said, I know what it is. I know what authority is. I understand authority. He said, I give orders and they do it. He said, Lord, you have power over diseases as I have power over men. Position of authority. He argues from a powerful expectation. If my authority produces obedience, then he says, well, what will your authority produce? If my authority, I can tell a man, okay, uh, Bozo, go over here and he'll do it. I understand you have the authority you say, servant, be healed, and my servant will be healed. We're seeing a day that's really, that's really scary. We're seeing the day that people have very little respect for authority. Very little. And they don't know what they're doing. They're, they're destroying the only thing they may, we may have to protect them one day. And we're destroying and where there's no authority, there's anarchy. Boy, I tell you, God's a God of authority. And God's a God of order. And, and it's amazing how how often many times people want to trash authority and 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 think that they know more of the answers than the authority does. But when you when you start when you start when you start crashing authority you're simply saying, I ain't going to obey. Many times we do that with God. God, I know you told me to do that, but, 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 but I can't do that. But, and here's the reason. No, no, your power of obedience. Authority produced obedience in this man, and authority produced obedience he got from Jesus' Jesus authority. Produced obedience. It was an unusual, unusual statement. It's an unusual declaration. Jesus, Jesus simply said, Well, by I believe a moment, Jesus' mind run back. And I don't know how long it was before, but he run back to a bunch of you. From whence these men does these things? Is this not carpenter? Is this not the son of Mary? That's why I said this morning, the son of Mary. He was literally saying, 
He's not God's son. He's not Joseph. He's a son of a little ill. He's the son of a harlot. It's just, just not son of Mary. And they were offended and they were astonished. And Jesus said, Wow, my own people can't believe me. And then notice this Gentile. Not even in the in in the not even Jew. A centurion of all things. And this man says, Jesus, I understand authority. And I know that if you say for something to be done, wow, it's going to be done. No questions asked. Wow. And Jesus, the Bible said, Jesus marveled. I wonder... Does Jesus marvel at our faith? I know this is an unfair question because this is going it's to keep some of you up all week long. And it's a really unfair question. And I probably shouldn't answer, ask, uh, ask it, but I'm going to do so anyway. I wonder what we would do if God just flipped the thing and says, I'm going to let you keep 10% and I'm going to give you 90. I want you to give me your 90 I wonder how many folks would line up to say, I'm going to believe you. I know that's an unfair question. I can imagine your minds going right now saying, saying there, there ain't no way! That unbelief, Jesus says, wow. Wow. But faith over here says, Got the faith of a grain of mustard seed. You can say, this mountain, you go over here. And that mountain start trotting over there. That's faith. You, I'm not saying God's going to do that. Don't, you'll go home taking take a nerve pill. It's okay. Uh, God's not going to change now. It's been, he's done wrote the Bible. He's done told us. He's not going to change. Don't get unnerved. Don't go home taking a nerve pill and get all, uh, all upset. He's not. What I'm trying to get you to see is this. God wowed at this man's faith. And Jesus said, I have not found so great a faith. No, not in Israel. i tell you something bothered me about that. Tell me, you know what bothered me about that? John? John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. John the Apostle? That one was laying on the breast of Jesus and Bible says the disciple whom Jesus loved. John, that one that was seemingly just always laying on top, just, just loving him. John, why didn't he say that about you? Peter, big mouth, open mouth and insert foot. Yet priests and 3,000 were saved. Bold as a lion. You left your fishing business and all that you had and followed Jesus, but why Why didn't Jesus say? He said, I ain't found nobody's faith like this, fellas. I'm puzzled about that. But Jesus said, Marvel, do you know what? There's, there's two things here. He marvels at our unbelief 
And then he marvels at our faith. It's amazing. Why was faith so rare in Israel? They received the promise of God. Had every advantage the centurion had. Well, I believe it was part was their focus, their ideals and opinions. They expected to see certain signs. And when they didn't see them signs, they wrote Jesus off. I'm working on it. I may preach it one of these days if I ever get done. I've been working on it in my head and heart for three or four months. But I'm convinced the greatest dividing factor between small churches and large churches is a matter of just believing. Those where, we, where God wants to do a work and people insert their personal opinions, what they think, and what they want done, and how they believe, and what they think. And they believe that has to trump what God wants to do. And what hinders so many churches, and the reason why many are in a place they are now, they let personal opinions, personal preferences, hinder and grieve the Spirit of God, and so the Holy Spirit of God can't move and do great miracles. I really do. And it's amazing. It makes me want to say, wow. It makes you wonder. Then he got an unusual miracle. The story ends, and they that were sent returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. Now listen. Didn't say God made him well. Don't miss this. It didn't say God healed his sickness. I'm going to tell you, he made him whole. If he had a broke nail, it was fixed. He didn't just heal him. He took care of everything this man had. He was whole. I believe he was sitting at the table eating. And I walked in, and the mouth fell open and said, Did Jesus come by? Nope. Did he send a word? Nope. Did he touch him? Nope. There is not one recorded action that Jesus did just when they got back. Only thing I could see that Jesus done, he said, Wow! That's the only thing I can see. That. Wow! I've never seen so much faith in all of Israel. And he got back to the house, and his servant was healed. I, we can't prove this. When we get to heaven, you'll probably find out I'm right. I believe that's in Turin. I, don't, I believe he had a shouting fit around the house. I believe he was thrilled in realizing that God was everything he believed him to be. What an unusual miracle. What an unusual man. So here tonight, he did demonstrate beyond all question that he's the Son of God with all authority given to him over sickness, disease, and death. It's two vital facts, and I'm done. Faith works when we come to God with a sense of our own worthiness.
As long as we think we deserve a hearing, our prayers will go unhindered, go unanswered, because God impressed by things that impress us. I'm going to tell you that again. As long as we think we deserve a hearing, our prayers will go unanswered because God isn't impressed by the things that impress us. Second, faith works when our confidence in the Lord. I want you to get this. You, You want to slap yourself and wake up real good. You want to get this. Faith works when our confidence in the Lord is so strong that we're willing to risk embarrassment and failure. Boy. Shoot! Pardon the whole church. Some of you will never see a miracle of God because you're more concerned about what somebody thinks about you. Some are concerned about failing. Some are concerned about embarrassment. You young people will never serve God if you're concerned about being embarrassed. You'll never serve God as long as you're not willing to risk embarrassment and failure. That's why the centurion guy's answer. He didn't know much. But I, you have to understand what he risked. He risked great he risked so much by going to Jesus. But it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to be so deep that you need a miracle to get out because when you, when you are, you're most likely to receive one. Let me say that again. It's a wonderful thing to be in so deep that you need a miracle to get out because when you do, that's when you're most likely to receive one. My Someone said it's not for those timid souls who want to play safe all the time. No, it's about believing God, about believing God. Nancy Spielberg wrote these, penned these words, Lord, I crawled across the barrenness to you with my empty cup uncertain. If I, in asking any small drop of refreshment, if only I'd known you better, I'd come running with a bucket. Faith is not trying harder, being nicer. Faith is when you're willing to step out of the comfort zone, the safety zone, throw away your little cup, and bring a bucket. Bring a bucket. I, I, I should have, I, sh- I meant to bring this. And uh, if they wasn't up at the house, I'd go get them, but I'm not. Here tonight, we approach God with a teaspoon. Can you imagine a teaspoon? It's silver and shiny, light sparkling in it. Can you imagine a teaspoon? How many of you know what teaspoon? I have to ask that question. Somebody may not know. A teaspoon. 
Can you imagine a five-gallon bucket? And we come to God, and your faith says, God, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe you with a teaspoon. Teaspoon. Then some of you are coming to God with a five-gallon bucket, saying, God, I'm believing you. I need something from you. I'm trusting you. I'm believing you. What are you believing God for? What are you believing God for? I saw standing there, head bowed, never eye closed. Amen.